and welcome back to the Livewire Politics Podcast. I am your host, David Stanky, and today we are going to talk about the crisis at our southern border. And I know you're probably thinking, this is a topic we've been talking about for decades, and it seems like every time we take two steps forward, we take one step back. And right now, there is an unequivocal crisis at the border, so we're going to talk about that. But really, before we do, we really have to make sure the stage is properly set. There is a fundamental difference between border security, illegal immigration, and legal immigration. The media has done a fantastic job at conflating those three terms as one singular issue. And while they are connected, they are distinctly different topics. So we're going to have to set that parameter first and foremost. So first, let's talk about border security. So here's a clip from Pinal County Sheriff Mark Lamb and his thoughts on what he has seen here at the southern border in Arizona. And it is really hard to separate immigration from human trafficking and drug trafficking. The two virtually go hand in hand 100% of the time. And so when we talk about protecting our borders, protecting our community, it's really protecting ourselves from human trafficking, drug trafficking, and also protecting those people who are, who are trying to come here to make a better life protect them from the cartels and being abused and used as pawns. You know, I had the pleasure of meeting Sheriff Lamb recently, and he is just a raw, authentic, true American, great patriot, and there ain't no lie in him. And he brought up a great point. When we talk about trafficking, we talk about human trafficking and drug trafficking. They often go hand in hand. And right now, the U.S.-Mexico border has quickly turned into not only just a public health calamity, not only a humanitarian catastrophe, not only a national security crisis, it has also created conditions for vast criminal enterprises to thrive off of the trafficking of human beings. In fact, last month alone, Criminal organizations earned as much as $14 million a day trafficking women, children, and families across the border. And many of these folks just don't have the money. They can be charged up to $5,000 a head to get them across the border. And so what happens is that many migrants are subject to what's called debt bondage. And really, it's just another form of indentured servitude. So once they've entered the United States, these migrants agree to work off the debt that they have accrued. And traffickers will often always compound interests and add additional fees to what would appear to be a simple employment agreement. So the cartels are making billions of dollars and their money is getting washed by Chinese bankers. Yes, that's right. Chinese banks have emerged to become key players in laundering money for Latin American cartels. And really, all of this creates a perfect storm for vulnerability and if you research the stories of abuse and sexual violence, they are enough to stain your soul. Nearly 70% of all migrants traveling north through the southern border are victims of violence, and that's according to a White House report just last year. Okay, so let's quickly rattle off a few statistics just to create some context of where we are at currently just four months in to the year. So last month, the month of March, and all these statistics are based on DHS numbers. So last month, 171,000 migrants were caught illegally crossing the border in the month of March. That number is the highest recorded month in the last 15 years. We are currently on pace to have the highest number of border crossings in 20 years, 
Keep in mind that number is based on what our border protection services could catch. It does not take into full account the amount of uh, illegal crossings that existed in the month of March. So among that 171,000, 18,000 of those were unaccompanied minors. And that is the highest number of migrant children to ever attempt to cross the border illegally in a single month. And for contextual purposes, an unaccompanied minor is defined as anyone under the age of 18 who is attempting to cross the border illegally who is not with a parental guardian. And about 70% of those unaccompanied minors, those statistics, that 18,000, are in the ages of 15 to 17. So the vast majority are, in fact, male-aged boys between the age of 15 and 17. In addition, we've also found that the amount of search and rescue missions has increased dramatically in the past four months. And just to put this into context, in the year 2019 and 2020, the U.S. Border Patrol conducted around 5,000 search and rescue missions each year. In just the past four months, agents have conducted nearly 4,000 search and rescue missions. That's according to ABC News. So what does that translate into financial costs? And again, these costs are associated from those that are here not on legal status. And it has to be very, very clear. We're not talking about those that are here on work visas or that are here on a legal temporary status. We are talking about those that are here illegally. So there are a lot of comprehensive studies that have been done. And when we look at the numbers, they are comprehensive. And that's why it's good to look at the totality of the information, because if you listen to sound bites, you might miss the bigger picture. You know, I've heard those on the left say that illegal immigrants pay at $19 billion a year in taxes, which is true. But what they don't say is that when you deduct that from the overall burden, it's still $116 billion that U.S. taxpayers are on the hook for. And how can that be? So the two biggest drivers of that $116 billion are education spending and social welfare spending. So non-citizen families in the United States are twice as likely to receive social welfare benefits in the form of Medicaid or food stamps or other services. And when you look at those that have been here longer than 7 or 10 years, that number jumps to almost 70%. Those benefits equate to about $30 billion a year, and about two-thirds are absorbed by state and local municipalities, and the rest is absorbed by the federal government. And again, this is not shoot the messenger, right? These are just the statistics. We have to talk through them, and if we really want to provide change, if we need to rewrite some of the immigration laws, then we do so. But the problem is, is we have a fundamental difference on what the border should be in the eyes of this administration when compared to the American people and when compared to the previous administration. And what do I mean by that? Well, if you ask most people if they think that entering the country illegally is a crime, you would find most people would say it is. So you would also think that the current Attorney General of the United States, Merrick Garland, would have a very easy response to a question such as this. 
Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Judge Garland, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the law enforcement challenges at the border, which I know a number of other members have brought up with you. Just a, a fundamental question. Do you believe that illegal entry at America's border should remain a crime? Well, I haven't thought about uh, that question. Uh, uh, I just haven't thought about that question. I, I, I think, uh, you know, the, the president has uh, made clear that we are a country of uh, with the borders and with a concern about national security. Um, I don't know of a proposal to uh, decriminalize but still make it uh, unlawful to enter. I just don't know the answer to that question. I haven't thought about it. Um, it, will you continue to prosecute on unlawful border crossings? Well, uh, this is, again, a, a question of allocation of resources. Um, um, we will, uh, uh, the department uh, will uh, uh, prevent unlawful um, uh, crossing. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I, I, I have to admit, I just don't know exactly what the conditions are and how this is uh, uh, done. I think if... Um, um, I don't know what the current program even is with respect uh, to this. Um, if there, um, so uh, I, I assume that the You know, Mark Twain once said, if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. That was the current Attorney General of the United States stumbling and bumbling and mumbling through a very, what I would perceive to be a very straightforward question. And to be clear... It is a crime. Unlawful entry into this country is a misdemeanor crime. And so if we have established through our legislature that it is a crime, and with any crime, once it is committed, you have to prosecute. If you don't, you send the message that it is acceptable, you won't get in trouble, and it creates an environment for more illegal border crossings. And if you want to change the law, then so be it. But that is done through the legislature. And so for the highest attorney in the land to not know what the current procedures are or what he will do once in office just shows either one, incompetence, or two, a fundamental difference in ideology. And I would assume the latter. Because here's the deal. As President Biden would say, this administration has reversed multiple policies that were put in place from the Trump administration. Many of these policies were, in fact, successful in curbing the amount of illegal immigration to this country. And again, we want to go back to that first initial point. Illegal immigration is a hotbed for criminal activity, abuse, and vulnerability and we want to make sure that we are humane in the process, but we also need to be looking out for the protection of those that are most vulnerable. And one policy in particular has really gotten under my skin, and I can't for the life of me try to understand the justification behind it. So this administration has directed ICE in the Department of Homeland Security to not deport illegal immigrant criminals after their jail sentence has been completed. And to be clear, we're not talking about those that have been detained at the border. Again, that is a misdemeanor. It's not subject to a jail sentence. We're talking about people that have entered the country illegally, committed a crime, served a jail sentence, and he has directed ICE to not deport these people, with very few exceptions. Obviously, there are certain crimes that you absolutely are deporting these folks for. But what message does that send?
For me, it's unconscionable. Vice President Harris is currently in charge of leading the, quote, diplomatic efforts to get the border crisis under control. And yet we have not heard from her. She has not visited the border. She has not put together a commission to allocate resources to our border agents. She recently said that the border crisis is a result of climate change. But that's it. That's all we've heard. Well, of course, we heard a lot in 2019 when the then-candidate Harris, along with her Democratic colleagues, paid visits to the border. They took photo ops. They said, quote, What is happening at the border is a human rights violation committed by the United States in reference to the children in cages. And yet, at the time, the number of children in cages was around 2,600. Today, it is 18 to 19,000 children. And yet, you don't hear a word. The silence is absolutely deafening. So what we heard two years ago as a human rights violation committed by the United States has now turned into a crisis based on climate change, colonialism, imperialism. Those are the descriptive words used by the same people that said that the previous administration was committing human rights abuses. So it leads me to one conclusion, and I'm sure many of you feel the same. It's politics as usual. And who suffers the burden? Well, it's our border security agents who are underfunded. It is our local border communities. It is our border states. And it is our taxpayers who are always left with the tab. But it hasn't always been this way for the Democratic Party. Here's a quote. We simply cannot allow people to pour into the United States undetected, undocumented, unchecked, and circumnavigating the line of people who are waiting patiently, diligently, and lawfully to become immigrants in this country. That quote is from then-Senator Barack Obama. Here's another. All Americans, not only in the states most heavily affected, but also in every place of this country, are rightfully disturbed by the large amounts of illegal aliens entering our country. The jobs they hold might otherwise be held by citizens or legal immigrants. The public services they use impose burdens on our taxpayers. That's why our administration has moved aggressively to secure our borders more by hiring a record number of new border guards, by deporting twice as many criminal aliens as ever before, by cracking down on illegal hiring, by barring welfare benefits to illegal aliens, etc., etc. That was then-President Clinton in his State of the Union address in 1995. So to quickly touch base, we've talked about some of the differences between border security, illegal immigration, legal immigration. And there's another component that we also do need to address, and that is asylum seekers and refugees. What does that process look like? And do we have a process currently at stake? And of course we do. So if you are seeking asylum, there is a process. First and foremost, you enter through a legal port of entry in which you are transferred into ICE custody. At that point, you have an interview. And if we have deemed 
through the process that there is a credible fear of persecution from a government agency imposed on the citizen, then the next step is the refugee or the asylum seeker is referred to a court in which an immigration judge will hear the case. Now, if the previous interview was deemed not credible, then that person's subject to deportation. So if the immigration court finds that the asylum seeker is just, then at that point, that individual will be granted asylum. And I used to have professors back in my undergrad that would actually go and testify based on the geopolitical issues that are happening in that person's home region or home country to act as an expert witness on behalf of that individual. And there were many times he would come back and say, you know what, this was a quick process. This person got through. It was the uh, testimony that helped validate some of these concerns. And of course, it's not perfect, but there is a process in place. There is also a process in place for legal immigration. And I would be the first to tell you, I think there are areas of our immigration process that need to be revised. They need to be rewritten. But that is done through a legislative process that is done by a legal process by the people. It is not done through default. And you might say, well, we already have 12.5 million illegal immigrants in this country. We can't possibly deport them all. Well, that's true. And we have various different programs like DACA and others that have meant to properly integrate those that have been in this country for a long period of time uh, to assimilate into our community without fear of deportation. I think all of us can say that uh, someone who's brought here as a child and, and spends 20, 30 years uh, only knowing this country, for example, would not want to be subject to deportation. We all have a heart. But if we don't secure our border now, we are only emboldening those cartels to finance their organization on the backs of human beings. We are only indirectly supporting sexual exploitation and human trafficking. We are only supporting indirectly the violence against children. And while the White House is considering cash payments to Central Americans to stem migration, yes, that's true, look it up, the pay-to-stay-away policy is not going to work. And frankly, it's a slap in the face to every U.S. taxpayer. And the vast majority of Americans do not approve with what this administration is doing at the border. In fact, a recent poll show that only 29% of Americans actually approve of this president's handling at the border. And would you believe also that only 27% of Latinos that were polled agreed with the approval of this administration's handling at the border? And I only bring that up because it often gets conflated that somehow the Latino community is somehow on board with an open borders policy. Well, in fact, you find that most Latinos, when they're polled, favor legal immigration. They favor a pathway to citizenship done in a legal way. And just to end on some personal commentary, I grew up knowing, knowing that we are a nation of immigrants and that the melting pot is the foundation to what makes everything about this country great. 
But I also knew that we are a nation of laws. And I also knew through my own grandparents' immigration process in the 1950s that there is a legal way to do so. And, you know, my grandparents were immigrants. They waited for almost two years before they were able to enter our country. They went through a sponsorship. They went through the process. They became citizens. And by doing it in such a way, it created a lasting legacy for our family to appreciate the process in which they went through, to know that the sacrifice would be granted upon their children and their grandchildren to live in the greatest country the world has ever seen. And we honor that memory by allowing those to come to this country legally so they can enjoy to live in a free society where they are granted inalienable rights. And we talk about our constitution like it's just a normal thing. It's not. If you look at where these folks are coming from, from many of these persecuted nations, you would be shocked to realize the amount of freedom that these individuals have in their host countries. It's limited to nothing. And if you look at the history of the world, freedom is a very novel concept. It is not something that has been practiced over and over. This is relatively new, and people are willing to risk their lives to call themselves an American. And that's why we fight so hard, because freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. And we thank the Gipper for that final quote. Well, it wasn't all smiles in this episode, but these are serious topics, serious issues, and serious repercussions. And in the end, it's human beings that are vulnerable in this border crisis. And we have to call it a crisis. We need to allocate resources. I pray that this administration takes this seriously. I didn't vote for Joe Biden, but I do support him and I want him to be successful. But I'm going to call it like it is. And we have a border crisis that needs the full support of the federal government. Well, that's it for this episode. Hope you have a wonderful week. The next episode will be coming out shortly. It's part two of our conservative culture guide. So look forward to that. Till next time.